Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Focus, Focus, Strike, our podcast dedicated to nerd culture generally and Legend of the Five Rings specifically. Today is the 30th of December. It's 11 p.m. Mountain Time, which means for some of you it is already New Year's Eve day. Um, But the big news around here is that uh, actually from the new stuff I've heard from Tyler, I actually have refound some enthusiasm for the game and want to keep going. So I'm here with Blake. Yo, and uh, we're recording again. We managed to sort through the technical difficulties, and it's all things internet related. I am Murph, your host. We can be reached on Facebook. We can be reached on uh, the Focus Focus Strike podcast because that's what you're listening to. In case you found this on a web crawler completely by accident, we can also be reached on Gmail. You can reach out to me, Brian Murphy, on Twitter. You can pretty much do anything you want if you want to reach me. I try to answer you as quickly as I can, uh, but. Big news. So last time before I talked to you, it was I was going to world. I had a great time. I met great people. I had great meals. We got to play Battle Box, which from the guys in Vancouver is a godsend to the community. It will be even better for teaching people the mechanics. Because cool. it's a game that doesn't require you to build a deck before you sit down to play. It's just a matter of playing. And L5R has always been much more like a board game than a card game. So if you can teach people the mechanics... The cards are relatively easy to slot in. However, since that happened, I was thinking about it when I got back, and it's like, they freed the rolls, so yay, I can build all kinds of decks. And I thought to myself, yeah, but what it really did was it exacerbated the difference. Because when I played with really good top-tier players, they were just crushing me because I wasn't spending enough time practicing. And if I played with more average players, I crushed them. Same reason. So <laughs> led me to think it's like, you know, maybe I got to reconsider how much I want to play the game. You know, I'll still go to worlds and stuff because it's fun. I get to see people do wacky stuff. Uh, but then the articles came out, mostly the Imperial law and uh, the changes to the rules reference guide. So first thing I want to do is I want to point out yet again that nobody on this podcast, neither me nor Blake, draw a paycheck from FFG. We have never drawn a paycheck from FFG. We never will draw a paycheck from uh, FFG. Okay, I'm not opposed to the idea, just to be clear, if you guys are looking well, for someone. Yeah, you could bribe Blake. He's bribable. Or, or uh, just or just give me an income. Either way. Yeah, yeah that could work. I'm not uh, sure what well, you would want me to do, but yeah, whatever. Uh, I'm sure they can figure something out. Uh, the biggest change is I wanted to point out, though, once again, uh, first things first, they made the game a little more streamlined. Uh, he mentioned it, Tyler, in his article, mentioned Miller's Law. If you really want a good explanation of all this, find the Art of War cast, the Christmas special, which is an interview of Tyler. Tyler does an exceptional job of clearly articulating his and the company's position on why these things were done. There's no better source than to hear it, the way he explains it, the way he obviously uh, has agency and feels responsible for the things that are happening. Big changes, like uh, most of them totally agreed with my common sense. So as a Buddhist, I'm inclined to believe them. First one is uh, that now there's no more limitations on how many conflict characters you could put in your deck because it's a matter of efficiency. Once you get above 10, you get diminishing returns. You might not want that. Mm. The other big cleanup 
was the fate phase and the regroup phase are now just the fate phase. If you've watched the streams of the last two world championships, both of which were basically decided, one in a semifinal, one in a final. So that's, you know, top four players in the world. We're not talking accidents here. Like we're talking about the best players in the world who probably know this game better than almost anyone making key fundamental rules mistakes, which basically determined the outcome uh, and basically left everyone with a very bad experience, left everyone who watched it going, man, I don't want to see an end like that. Like that's not the way that you don't play for two days so that you can win on a technicality or I'm sorry, but you have to reshuffle that into your deck. It's like, there's no rule mechanic for that. Like, how did that happen? These kind of things hurt the game long term because people go, if the best players in the world can't get the rules straight, how am I expected to get the rules straight? Fair. So one of the, one of the things they corrected was the fate phase, which was a whole series of steps. And then there mm-hmm. was the regroup phase, which was another series of steps. But because there was no interactivity during those phases of steps, people just kind of bashed them together into one big snowball of death. Now, what happened was, so basically it was the removal phase was separated from the straighten cards, discard cards, return your rigs, put fade on rigs, these kind of things. Well, that was just one big phase. I wanted to point out that the first thing I looked for when I heard this, because I read the article today, it came out. The very first thing I looked for in the fate phase was where was the player token being passed? Because I hadn't yet seen the Imperial Law where Drogen's curse had been banned. Because I remember all these fate faces and how they work because I played with Drogen curse and it messed up people's minds. <laughs> so I'm reading down the list. I'm like, fate phase begins. Check. Discard the characters with no fate. Check. That's the same. Remove fate from characters. Check. Place fate on unclaimed rings. Check. Action window. Sweet. Ready cards. Okay. So there's the first one. It's eliminated the cost on Trojan's Curse because it had to be straight in order to activate another fate phase. Right? That's the way the card worked. Right. Then discard for provinces, return rings, pass first player token, 4.8. This is important. Somebody in playtest, before they banned Trojan's Curse, must have been playing Unicorn. Or at least splashing Unicorn. Because the first thing I looked for was that little clause, because I looked at it and said, Ring of Binding. Ring of Binding, another attachment, says, you don't lose fate if you're the first player. So, if I'm the first player, and I have Droge's Curse on a guy, mm-hmm. go through the steps, fate phase begins, I'm the first player, so the when it says discard the fate, he doesn't leave play, because of the Ring of Binding. He doesn't lose fate because of the ring of binding. Fate goes on the unclaimed rings. Cards straighten. Discard from provinces. Return rings. Pass the first player token over to the other guy. Now he's first player. But wait. The fate phase resolves a second time. So anyone who is left from his side who has no fate is now left play. My character still has the ring of binding. So he would lose a fate. Like right then and there. Mm-hmm. Place a fate on unclaimed rig. So every rig now gets extra fate. Ready cards. 
discard from provinces, return rigs, pass the first player token back to me. <laughs> so I'm first player again. This really helps with ring of binding because it basically makes it not an unlimited combo, but it means that if I have one fate on a guy, I can clear the board twice with just his existence. That's pretty hot stuff. However, they banned that. Uh, that was the other big thing that people were generally talking about. Is, I mean, I think that cleanup is good because he, he cited the Miller's Law, which is the paper that says people can only remember a finite number of things at the same time uh, in their short-term memory. So that's what they can act with. So basically, these, these cleanup of the rules are basically designed so that your mechanics for ending the turn can be streamlined so you don't have to really think about them as much. Because it's just mm. that one big phase with less action windows, which means less things can happen, which makes it easier for you to rem for, to remember what they are. And hopefully in the future, this year, we'll get all the way through a world without some crazy rules interaction. Now, that being said, because now everyone knows that we claim the Imperial favor in the conflict phase. Mm -hmm. uh, the other big thing was Imperial law. So now the restricted list is removed from the rules reference text. This is important. He mentioned this also in his interview that now they can have multiple imperial laws. So they can have an imperial law for constructed, an imperial law for multiplayer, an imperial law for, you know, so each game can have its own, each variant can have its own different band list. You know, they can print a band list that is basically suicide, where it's like all the most powerful cards you ever you wanted to be degenerate with in one environment. They've got rid of a whole bunch of the holdings. They got rid of charge finally. Thank you. Mm, good. Yeah. Basically put, if you look at it on paper, this is what it did. Karata District is, uh, you know, Karata District and the Kanjo District were the two cards that were just, you know, they were just super powerful and really annoying. Uh, the Miramoto's Dice Show was its built-in victory condition. Uh, but most of the mm. cards they put out like Guest of Honor, Tadaka, Master of Gishi Toshi, all violated the rule of Leon. It's a card game. People <laughs> want to play their cards. If you don't let them play their cards, they're going to be upset. Yep. That is why those cards had to go. And Charge is just, it's too much of a crutch. Mm. On the restricted list, like people may not realize yet what a difference Charge makes, but I mean, I was seeing it as I was watching some of the games, and it's like, yeah, it has made the game longer. It's more interactive that way because now basically people have real choices to make in deck design in terms of how expensive characters they want to play with because they can they really afford to buy a five right like it's it requires a different strategy if you're going to be playing those big characters uh, like the old phoenix strategy was a long time ago where it's like turn one i bought next to nothing because turn two i was looking for the emperor uh I could afford it, and therefore I would do it. Uh, they got rid of a whole bunch of the problem cards went on the restricted list, like Secret Cash, Kiribori, because they were just, if you hit the wrong province at the wrong time, for him it was free cards. Uh, Kiribori, mm -hmm. if you didn't have a way to deal with it under the stronghold, was certain death. You know, they kept a whole bunch of the ones there. Uh, best ones are Satoshi came off, For Greater Glory came off, uh, Uji came off, now that he no longer has the cost reduction. Which is pretty good. They made they did an errata to against the waves, so now it only hits your Shugenja, so you can't use hmm. it to just lock other people out of the game. 
Uh, you know, overall, there was like a bunch of good stuff. I think overall, the big difference that people will see in the game going forward is everything. If you look at the spoiler that would talk about uh, City of the Rich Frog, which is eminent, which is a new keyword they're going to be bringing up, and Rally, where mm. you can play events from your provinces because they can now go into your, your Dynasty deck. Basically, everything is designed to make people play the Dynasty phase. Hidden Moon Dojo wouldn't huh. have been that big of a problem if it wasn't the fact that it just said, ignore the Dynasty phase. You know, Uji, when honored, said, everyone's one less. Why would I play in the Dynasty phase? Dynasty phase is for suckers. <sighs> it is. Like, Unicorn is like, why would I buy Chagatai? What kind of idiot buys Chagatai? You yep. just charge him out and then run over three provinces. It's the way it works. Yep. There was basically uh, cards like the Gunso, uh, City of the Rich Frog, which allows you to fill up to three cards. Uh, those who serve, which makes everyone one cheaper. So the first card you buy is a break-even. Because the card itself cost one, so you pay, you spent one, you got one back. But with Lion, I'm watching people play online, and they're like getting six guys in a turn. Because they can flip over multiple times. They have extra action teams <laughs> to do it. So I'm like, that makes sense. I think Drew just saw something super funny. And whatever it was, it was good. Um, yeah, yeah, he's watching the the ridiculous D&D episode of, from the third season of Riverdale. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can't yeah. roll D20 to save yourself from that. Uh, sorry, sorry so griffins and gargoyles, oh, to be accurate. Oh, mm -hmm. That's good, because, you know, Gygax did owe the first letter of his name, yeah. Gary and Gygax. <laughs> You know, yep. Right now, right now, somebody named Derry Didax is getting really angry right now because <laughs> that game. Wow. Um, yeah, it's bad. But that's the good news for L five R. In a nutshell, is that they basically made it so that the game is going to get a little bit better. Like other decks are starting yeah. to climb out of the woodwork. Uh, there's going to be some definitely abusive decks. Those who serve is going to be the abusive card. Uh, of the new environment, like it's going to be the most abused card because it can be. Uh, it's one of those cards that's going to line up very well with uh, the dichotomy where a deck will run either those who serve or waiting hostilities, and sometimes both. Mm -hmm. But they will definitely run one or the other. If you run neither, you're really asking for trouble because. When a board goes off for six characters, it's like, yep, I don't think I can lose here because I can just throw four of them out of province and there's not enough stuff for you to do in response. Like, that would be your whole hand uh, just to deal with me for this one minor attack. That's not going to be the, the overall thing. Uh, I've been talking to a lot of the Unicorn guys. A lot of Phoenix Splash is turning up now because since Against the Wave straightens your Shugenja, there's a whole Shishi build built around all the big shugs. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, of course, now that the rolls are free, you can do some really crazy stuff with those. Unicorn's getting a lot more people are now using it for the fact that you can play with Keeper of Earth to straighten. You can play with the Jid to unleash to basically like, you know, use your weenie force to get around people. Uh, but it's definitely making Unicorn more interesting. 
just because there's more things you could do. So which role you pick actually is for which one of your killer cards. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a really good card in line that I think is probably going to hit the restricted list next. And that's most likely going to be uh, the not those who serve, but the one that's going to one that spends a lot of time with the potential to get abused is the tower card of uh, I think it's my lord's favor. Basically, it's the you bow one guy to straight another. You can play from the discard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if it gets played, it goes to the bottom of your deck. But if it gets discarded, it just sits there until you want to use it. So very convenient for unicorn players and lion players because they have a lot of discard outlets. So you discard it to there. Then you can bow and straighten it. And you just start doing some crazy stuff to people. So that's about all from the L5R thing. I mean, I think it was good. I know there's a Grand Cote coming up in Vegas. I'm still 50-50 on going. I know I'd like to go, but I don't think I'm quite going to make it. I think Fair. it's just... It's just a little tight right now on the timeline. And girls are starting skating lessons and gymnastics, so we got to be around for that. They yeah, more and more stuff all the time as they get bigger and smarter. <laughs> so those ones are good. Um, yeah, I think in that respect, you know, there's a lot of things there. I would recommend getting caught up on the other sides. Uh, my Marvel stuff finally came in, so on the CCG front, I was looking at my games table yesterday. And the Christmas month is always bad because I just have way too many things to do. <laughs> uh, but I was—I had somebody come over to play cards yesterday. Uh, so I had to clean off my table to get it there. And it's like, I have like 14 unopened packages of cards. So I have my Marvel, wow. my Marvel stuff. I have my Arkham stuff from the latest, the Dream Eaters cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have... Some L5R stuff like the Dragon Stronghold that I the Dragon uh, Clan Pack, the Crab Clan Pack that I never bothered to open. Uh, Shoji's Duty, like I, I've got Thrones. I'm like, oh my God, there's too much stuff. Luckily, Thrones is now <laughs> basically dead. So uh, now mm. they're just going to release cards like once a year for that kind of stuff and get things going. Yeah, that's uh, not so you bad. Any games this year for Christmas? Uh. Not really. I uh, I bought myself a couple of video games during the Steam, win- the Steam Winter Sale, but I didn't uh, get anything RPG-wise and no cards or whatnot, unfortunately. And no board game either. Uh, it's been a bit of a bit of a lean year as far as that stuff goes for me. Yeah, uh, I just saw... After I bought I the Mutant Year Zero stuff. Oh, okay. Because I was seeing there was a new uh, expansion for Terraforming Mars. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, the, um, oh, what is it? Uh, turmoil. Yes. It yeah, says I'm expert. hoping. So they yeah. don't want me to buy it. Yeah, I've I've had the advantage of playing the uh, pre-release stuff on uh, online on uh, Tabletop Simulator. They put out a mo- module for it, but um, yeah, uh, I didn't end up finding much. Uh, I I... I don't think it's as good an expansion as the Colonies expansion was. That makes sense. That sounds fair. Yeah. I mean, uh, but it certainly adds a lot more stuff, and it um, it keeps the it, it keeps the TR the terraforming ratings your like score during the game um, from getting super high 
and it like removes little bits and pieces of things um uh. that uh that and adds other little bits and pieces but um i think it mostly just um increases the playtime um oh. which is something they that terraforming mars has a bit of a problem with so um but uh, you know it's it's hard to say for sure um and uh, i haven't had a chance to play it physically yet so i'm looking forward to that because it's always a little different in that situation let's you know just how many moving parts there are instead of being able to automate stuff like you can online so yeah that would uh, make sense yeah but yeah. uh yeah well i was going to say general nerd culture wise i got to see frozen 2 i recommend mm-hmm. everyone go see it it's worth seeing yeah, uh, I saw the new Star Wars. Me I too. Liked it. I recommend. I did that too. People go see it. It's, I it's definitely a, it, it definitely closes it off. It's if you've seen any of the ones before, then it's worth going to see. I even if you're just going to leave to complain about it. I mean that you made it to the end. Personally, I think it's a good conclusion to the like set of three set of threes, right? Like yeah. it it caps it nicely. And yes, it has some problems, um, but I don't think it's in and of itself bad, as it were. There's also a lot of nice moments, um, a lot of really good things for the fans, a lot of things just for anybody watching, and um, it's it has a nice resolution for both the Finn and the Ray characters, who are kind of the like main characters of the cast. Um, so I thought that was nice. Because I was I've been pulling for them since they introduced them to us. So Yeah. Well, I can understand that. I thought that one was overall fun. I mean it's one of the advantages of doing what I do is I get to see a lot of movies. Uh, mm. well in theory I have access to a lot of movies. I don't have any time to go see them, but if I do I I definitely go to watch them. I mean I've been catching up now on the morning show on Apple TV. Uh which I'm enjoying was not as good as the newsroom, uh, but it's got That's too more bad. of uh, it's got more of like a murder mystery kind of vibe to it. Uh, and it's oh. not a murder mystery, but it's basically there's multiple storylines that mm-hmm. are weaving within each other that leave you with different questions at the end of every episode. So it's okay. like, how is this or who did this? Like, we don't know yet who started this chain of events. <laughs> Right, like because we know that it's underway, but we don't know how it got out or how it got started or how far back it went or who knew about it when that kind of thing. Which is very much like when you write a thriller, you you don't tell the audience where everything happens. You let the characters slowly but surely uh, reveal when they learned, and you have to figure out as the audience as to which characters you believe. Because the character telling another character is, or another character telling another character about a third character Mm -hmm. could be lying for some other reason. So they may not be telling the truth. So you have to be able to distinguish between the various stories you're being fed as to which ones are true and which ones are not. Um, Fair enough. That kind of thing. And so, you know, that's how you find out at the end that, you know, Scream is the, the villain of Scream. It's like, oh, no. 
that kind of thing. It's like that that style of writing always appeals to me, so I like it. Uh, mm-hmm. I started to try to rewatch Money Heist, but we just don't have the time or the energy. Uh, uh, I think I think Netflix is just about on its last legs. Uh, I I don't agree, place. but that's me. I I'm just saying it's like I still have it because the kids watch it periodically. But yeah. I went looking for like shows, and it's like yeah, nothing really jumped out. There was there's nothing where I'm looking at. It, I'm like, man, I could be watching Crave. I could be watching Apple TV. I could be watching Disney. I could be watching. Hmm. So I could be watching any of these streaming services, and. The one that is the least likely to draw me or to show mm-hmm. me something that's like, wow, I got to see that, is Netflix. Now, I still have it because I know they're going to huh. put out another season of Stranger Things. See, it's still my favorite so far. Um, at, speaking of it, uh, as far as new stuff I'm interested in watching, I would like to check out The Witcher uh, show. I never played the games myself, but I'm told that the when they did the uh translation into a TV show they did a real good job. Uh, it was very interesting and it uh true to the source material. Um and the actor who plays the main character does a pretty good job as well. Yeah. Um but the um but uh the the big thing that Drew and I did was over the last uh I guess two months we watched the first season of lost in space. And when it dropped on the 24th or 23rd or whatever, we watched the second season. Um, I haven't enjoyed hating a show quite so much as the God awful mess that is lost in space uh, since Stargate universe. And I really hated Stargate Universe. You remember. Um, but, but like, like watching that show, I swear every episode, there's at least one point at which, at which the, um, at which either a character in the show or the events of the show or the way they want to resolve a show like totally creates wildly unnecessary drama drama that you just don't give a shit like it this didn't have to have like we could have solved this in three other ways that would have been without all the extra drama and it would have been fantastic which is just crazy uh it so you know, my my every, any sci-fi show or fantasy show. I mean, fantasy is easier because just if you're watching fantasy, you kind of have to make one big sure right at the beginning and be like, sure, this is fantasy. That means rules don't really mean anything. It's just got its own thing. That's fine. But with sci-fi, it's still ostensibly in the real world to some degree. So if they don't explain their own internal logic of like physics and special uh, things and yada yada then you got to operate with a real world understanding as far as you can and when they start doing stuff that is insane all you can do is be like sure and when you get to more than like three or four of those an episode that's usually where i drop out but i'm still watching this unbelievable mess um it, it it's doing a what like I like the characters and the production value is pretty good. 
Um, and they're doing a, a whole thing with this robot character who they just call robot. All the other robots that they, that they like find or see as the series goes on, they, they give names to, but the name of the robot is just robot. <laughs> oh, that's good. You gotta start somewhere. There's yeah. Dog but they're like, dog. yeah. And so they're like playing with what it means to be a person and, at what point does like self-determination come into it and so on and so forth. So it's, it's interesting. Well, that would make sense. Yeah. I mean, personally, I was trying to keep up with all the other stuff, but I had heard about the Witcher. So I did have that on my, my tentative list. Yeah. But I'm still finishing off like the Watchmen and which by the way, was like nice and twisted. I know there's a new West, oh, coming, good. which is going to be super twisted. Um, like a new I've season looked- or a new show? Yeah, a new season. Oh, I they're, thought it was done. Season three. Okay. No, they're they're going off now with for people who this is a spoiler alert. For people who did watch season two, they're following the escapees. Ha ha ha! Figure out who they Ooh. are if you haven't seen the show yet. Um, <laughs> I I haven't watched it all the way through. It's, I, I'm like Drew and I kind of ground to a halt somewhere in like the second or third episode yeah, of season second, two. Yeah, because season two is pretty much the it, it's just a straight up mind twist. It grabs you, but it grabs your mind by the undies and just gives you a wedgie. Yeah, uh, especially yeah. because of the fact that as it as it progresses, yeah, here's the one hint you need to understand all those episodes properly from the very beginning. Hmm? Most of them are inside of the park, therefore yes. time is irrelevant. Fair. That's the important part. Once you understand that time is not linear in that story. All of yeah. a sudden, everything makes sense. Uh, that's the big, like, it's kind of the twist they work in, in like, episode six. Uh, mm-hmm. and, but if you're having trouble getting through it, it's like when you tell somebody about the two towers in, in Tolkien. You basically yeah. say, okay, did you see a bunch of trees? Yes. Uh, fa- you're having trouble reading past that? Yes. Okay. Go till you hear, like, the Battle of Helm's Deep and pick it up again. Just skip the rest. Trust me. <laughs> this is what happens. Saruman throws this thing down and a bunch of trees lock him in his tower. That's all you need to know. Now, that's mm. 200 pages of your life you just got back. Yeah. <laughs> now you can and you just pick it up again for the Battle of Helm's Deep going forward. Trust me, you'll eventually read those 200 pages just because you're curious of like, how did Pippin become so tall? These are questions <laughs> you can only answer in those 200 pages. But... They're not necessary to the plot because if you never figure that out, it's not like it changes what happened. Mm-hmm. Right. That being said. So, um, yeah, in terms of like the overall geek squad stuff, that's like pretty much where my nerd culture is gone. Uh, <laughs> speaking of God. interesting nerd stuff on Crave, mm-hmm. uh, I was watching a little bit of uh, his dark. Why can't I cannot remember the title? His dark materials. There we go. Thank you. The Maybe golden compass and whatnot. Smart. Yes. Um, yeah. Anyways, interesting piece of uh, film storytelling is uh, I started watching it, and I was talking to somebody about it who's a much bigger fan of the books, mm-hmm. and who said he asked me because I hadn't read the books yet what I right. thought of the show, and I said, well, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, it's, it seems a little muddy sometimes, but it's good to watch. And he goes, that's because the first two books have been combined. Because in the in the book series, 
their simultaneous events, the two books. Book one and book two happen at the same time. Therefore, book three happens later, but like book one and two, same time, they mm-hmm. different focus. So therefore, when they t- decided to tell the story for television, they didn't tell all of book one, then all of book two, and then try to rebash them. Instead, they mixed one and two together where the time points intersect. So mm-hmm. they basically chose a different form of telling the same stories. But they are still very true to the books. Uh, for people who are like have read the books, it's like, I heard they ruined it! The people I know who read the books all said, I really enjoyed watching the series. I'm not far enough yeah. into it yet. Uh, but I also am watching it without reading the books for the same reason I watched all the Harry Potter movies before I read the books. Because I wanted a clean slate when I watched the movies. So when I said things like in the Order of the Phoenix, this is a horrible movie because it makes no sense. People would say, mm-hmm. but that's because you didn't know this. It's like, yes, because yes, they never told Yes, that's why me. it's a horrible movie. Yes. Don't worry. They'll fix it. And if I, But I could then understand this movie was made specifically for people who read the books. Then they found out when they looked at the people who saw it and the reviews and the people who actually like were buying tickets, they saw that they didn't do as well. So therefore, they said, let's go back to we got we got to make it so that there's no major plot points that are not in the movie. Yeah. Like that. So they're all in there. You, you can't like, whoops, how'd that come up? I mean, I like the fact that, you know, because I had no idea when I saw that scene where he's looking in the mirror in movie one that that was going to be important. And yeah. even when they told you it was going to be important with wow, that thing's kept its magic a long time. Normally those things fade off after like five years. Like, what could that possibly mean? I should mark this down to my catalog of unuseful tips. Seven movies later. Ha ha! Payday! Um, so yes, in that respect, I, it's all been good. I mean, I just want to tell people who are listening, you know, keep playing L5R, have some fun with it, do fun stuff, play Battlebox, mm-hmm. Can't stress this enough. Look online for it. Uh, you can always reach out to us. If you need them, I'll send you off the rules because I do think it's getting closer to my bedtime now that we're getting close to like 1130. And yeah. I do have to work in the morning because tomorrow is New Year. So tonight I'm just kind of building up that, that built-in stamina because I was up. Well, tomorrow's New Year's Eve. Yes. So tomorrow yeah. I have to be up to midnight because I got to count. You know, like yeah. 78, 77, 76. Yeah, they might do it wrong, and we might have to do this whole year again. Ooh, that would be an interesting one. If you had to, if you, this year, I mean, I'm just wondering, is this a decade of do-overs? Because hmm. we were talking the other day because of CBC. By the way, this is our my one political rant of the day, so I'm alive. Oh, okay. Uh, anyways, people were complaining because CBC in 2014, in order to make Home Alone 2 fit properly into their commercial allotment, <laughs> had to cut out a few minutes, minutes of the movie to make it fit properly. What they decided was the least important part of the movie was the Donald Trump cameo. So, fast forward to wow. 2019, a whole bunch of people went crazy on Fox News about how could they cut the president out of this on the state-run TV station. Blah, blah, blah. Angry, angry, angry. And I'm just thinking yeah. to myself, well, first of all, it happened under a conservative government. And no offense, but Stephen Harper was not an art critic. If no. they cut it out, it's like it's because it made money. It was the whole point. But yeah. the most important thing about this is 
how many Americans right now are thinking to themselves, if we could just clip 2016 to today and just erase it, <laughs> would anybody notice when they started watching TV again, the next president was the 46th? <laughs> it's like, where'd 45 go? Oh, we don't talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> we... We, we, we don't. If you're the one person who can remember our history of race button, we have a special place for you. It's like the man <laughs> in the high castle. It's just, just World War II never happened. Why not? Well, reason. We, what, what reasons could there be? 45. What's 45? Exactly. He's still living somewhere in Germany, nice and peaceful like with his grandfather. That's all you mm-hmm. need to know. It never happened. Oh. Yes, and also would make a lot of people happier because the New England Patriots would have won like one less Super Bowl. So thus, you know, hating the Patriots would be much less. Uh, but I think, you know, that's the important one. That's my political rant for today. I want everyone to be mm-hmm. nice to each other for the thing. You know, be grateful for all the things in your life that go right, especially the little things. Um, I've been reading a lot of stuff on Twitter where people are like, they, they truly impress me because there's a level of depravity and anger that is like, <laughs> wow. I know what Rage Hall feels like, but you it's like the worst type. It's like yappy dog syndrome. It's like I want to hear myself bark because I like hearing myself bark. And then hearing myself bark makes me feel like I'm important because I'm a dog and I can bark like this and be yappy and you bark. And now I'm important. I'm even more important, and I'm, but I'm still the same size, but I feel bigger. And No. Follow the simple rule of the internet. If I wouldn't say it to your face, I'm not going to say it online because you're not worth my time. That's like should be everybody's mantra on the internet. I have no responsibility to correct you. I only have the responsibility to correct you when you do something that is so socially odious that somebody has to say something. So if you've decided to cross the line to the point where I have to say, and I quote, I'm not sure if I'm more offended as a human being because of what you said or because I'm a father and I have to say that to you, trust me. You not only crossed the line, you like cleared the canyon and are now falling to the bottom of Springfield Gorge. <laughs> like you've truly misunderstood what was going on. So I recommend don't do that. Have fun. You know, watch Riverdale season three because I haven't heard Drew laugh so loud, even though he's like, that was creepy. And when Drew it, says it's creepy, it, remember, this guy's this guy's read Cthulhu. Yeah, he's watching it's true. Archie and going, this is creepy. Right? It's 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 pretty messed up for no good reason a lot of the time. It's impressive. It's impressive. Yeah, it's, well, it's, um, it's like the Lost in Space, but it's like the Beverly Hills 90210 version of In Space. It's like unnecessary complications abound. Things that will creep you out for no reason abound. Because if we put enough of them in, people will go, wow, this show is really deep. It's not really deep. It's just, you know, an affront on your, on your cortex. You know, it's just the way it works. But you can reach us, you know, Gmail, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, reach out to us by phone. The occasional smoke signal if we see it right. Uh, but basically any of those things. Happy New Year to everyone who listens. We'll hopefully get on a more, uh, more common recording schedule where I can talk about decks and other designs. But at the yeah. moment, I just wanted to say I'm very happy the Dynasty phase is coming back. I mean, <laughs> I, I, in my mind, I just keep picturing Tyler right now with Justin Timberlake doing his I'm bringing Dynasty back dance. Oh, and, dear. Uh, I know exactly. That's why I'm not really talking about cards right now. I'm scarred. So until then, good night, Blake. Happy New Year. Good night, Drew. Happy New Year. Good night, everyone else. I'll talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. Have fun. <laughs>